0: Hello, and welcome to The Commissioner. My name is Randy Sosson. This is Episode 9, The Game, How We Do. Um, this was the first time I had commissioned a video for The Game, but not the first time that we had worked together. The Game uh, made a cameo in the 50 Cent in the Club video that I talked about before. And he would occasionally come down to other sets for the G-Unit videos. So we were somewhat acquainted with each other, but never really worked together. Um, This video was slightly complicated because there were a lot of big names making decisions, and they don't always agree. Um, The game was signed to Dr. Dre's Aftermath label, but... 50 Cent had contributed to a number of tracks on the record and he was huge at the time. So the record was released on Aftermath and G-Unit records and the game was actually part of G-Unit for a short time. Um, if you go watch the Wanna Get to Know You video for the G-Unit, I'll put it in the, the description part of this episode, um, you'll see game throughout the video as, as part of G-Unit um, and near the end of the video... The guys from G-Unit who were in the video at the time, 50, Young Buck and Lloyd Banks, Tony Yeo was still in prison and the hashtag free Yeo movement was about to become a national story. But anyways, they put the signature G-Unit spinning medallion jewelry piece around the game's neck and he raises it to the camera in a sign of like initiation to the group. Um, But as I said, that was short-lived and by the time we did Hate It or Love It, Um, There were serious issues and a big divide in the teams. But for this video, they were all on board and everyone was working together. Um, This was actually not the first single from the release, which is called The Documentary. Um, That would be West Side Story, but it was the first video that we spent a lot of money on. So I was in charge and um, I was told by the games manager, who were Jimmy Henchman and Tony Martin at that time, that Hype Williams would be directing the video. This was the best, worst news that I had heard all day. Hype Williams, for those of you who know him, there's no really need to explain. But for those of you who don't, allow me to expound a bit. Hype is one of, if not the most important music video directors of all time he's for sure the most important in the hip-hop realm. He single-handedly created and changed the way the world looks at hip-hop and the music video in general. His deft eye and unique view of the world gives any video a powerful and emotional peek into the world of an artist, and having his name attached to any project, certainly back in 2005, was instant credibility. Um, He also hated music video commissioners. I'd never work with hype um, before and only work with him one time again in my career, but I was excited about the opportunity. Um, the whole process with him is different than a normal process. He doesn't write treatments. He doesn't give you a budget breakdown. He just tells you what's, what it's going to cost and when he'll be shooting. Um, he's the only person as far as I know or work with that can do this. And it's because he has like a direct connection to the artists and managers and they trust him. And, um, This could be one of the worst scenarios for a commissioner. It's pretty much a lose-lose scenario. Whatever goes wrong, you take the blame for, and you get no credit for what goes right. I was hoping that I would be different and that we could work together, but things did not start out great on the first night of shooting. We filmed the video over two nights. Um, The first night... We filmed all the car shots and all the exterior driving shots. Um, and hype and the DP whose name is Crash, and he's still a top-level DP and someone I loved working with, went around and filmed all the other clips of LA, like the Staples Center and the Chateau Marmont and the myriad of other landmarks. The night before is like a small second unit, but on the first night, base camp was at a parking lot, and we set up to do the game and fifty. 50- each individually driving their cars and performing the song. But first we had to film the beginning of the video where Game wakes up and rolls a blunt and gets in his car to start driving to the club to meet up with 50. Um, As I told you, there was no treatment, so I had a hard time figuring out what I was looking at or what I was doing, but I figured I would just sit back and let things happen and see where we ended up. Um, A quick side note, if you notice at about 30 seconds into the video – there's a shot of a table with an ashtray full of Swisher sweets, a money roll, and a YouTube iPod. Um, this was another instance of the product placement that I did for the iPod during that time. Um, Hype was actually really cool about making sure that it was in the video and we worked together to get the shot. And I even gave him that iPod to keep. And, you know, I thought I was trying to get on his good side. Um, another note, I also have that iPod. I still have my iPod. I ended up getting one for the shoot as well. Um, and it works, but it will not hold a charge. Uh, it will play music, but only music that's already on it, and as long as it's plugged in. Um, so you can't really update it, and the wheel to pick the music is barely functional. And I feel like there's a story to be told about the iPod, but let's leave that for another podcast. Anyways, back to the video. We filmed the opening sequence without incident and moved back to Basecamp to set up the first performance shot of the game. This is where things went awry. We set up the shot on a process trailer, which was, you know, similar, if not identical to the setup of the one we used in the Vanessa Carlton video I discussed in episode four. Um, The car is put on a flatbed and pulled around with the crew on the back to make it look like the person's driving, but they can focus on performing and not worry about the moving vehicle. Um, As everyone loaded onto the back of the trailer to move out, Hype told me that I was not allowed on the trailer. Um, I asked him why, and he said... He doesn't allow any label people near him when he's directing a performance. Needless to say, I was mortified and kind of livid at the same time. Um, I've never been told that I could not do my job or that I was not allowed to participate on a set where I was the commissioner. Um, I tried to reason with him, but he walked off and the trailer drove off. I was left on set but knew that I had to be smart about this and that creating a scene would not really be helpful to anyone, including myself. Um, I decided to use the resources that I had on my side to see if there was a way to diffuse the situation and get myself on that trailer. Um, The game and his team, they kind of barely knew me at the time. So as much as they may have liked me, they weren't going to get involved in this. So I went to 50's trailer and sat down and immediately saw Chris Lighty, who was 50's manager, um, and I told him about my situation. Um, Another little side note, there's a great podcast called Mogul which is hosted by a guy named um, Combat Jack that features a number of episodes that discuss the story of Chris Lady. It's uh, informative and intense, but definitely worth checking out. Um, A link to the series is in the description of this episode. Anyways, Chris was always a champion of me and we worked really, really well together. He was smart, direct, and a creative person, but never got caught up in the minutiae, which I sometimes do. I told him that I was upset and that I wasn't allowed on the process trailer for the game performance and that I wanted him to make hype allow me on the trailer for 50s performance. And he told me not to take it personally. It's just how hype works. Um, And I said, yeah, that's not how I work, though, and that I needed to get a remedy to this situation. He, He looked me right in the eye, he patted me on the shoulder, and he said, don't take it so seriously, Randy. It's just a music video. For those of you who know me personally, you know that I can be emotional and intense when it comes to my work and my creative endeavors. Um, That's not always my best trait, but it does push people to be their best on my shoots. It also tends to get me in trouble, um, but on this occasion, I didn't want it to get the best of me, so when Chris told me that it was just a music video, my initial reaction was to get upset, but I quickly got my emotions in order and told him, I understand, but it's our music video. That seemed to resonate with him, and he said he would talk to Hype when they got back, and I left it at that. Um, They were gone for about 30 minutes, and then the process trailer pulled back into base camp. I tried not to be too anxious and let them stop and unload and then asked the video playback person to show me what they filmed. Um, Hype got off and told them they could play me what was filmed and walked away. Um, The game came over, and we watched playback together. I knew that I had to tread lightly as I was not the director and watching playback with an artist and giving input does affect the shoot. Normally I would, um, directly go to the director. I would, you know, take my, my comments to the director and give them my comments or concerns. And we'd work, we'd either agree or disagree and we could figure out a way to discuss it and work together. But hype had created an adversarial situation. And I didn't want to add fuel to the flame. Um, I watched it a few times and I waited for the game to ask me what he thought. I didn't want to respond. And I told him that it felt like he was trying too hard. He nodded and asked me what I meant. And I said, from the way he was performing, it looked like he was acting like he was a tough guy and that he didn't have to try to be anything. If he was just himself, he would come across as authentic and that that's what a true gangster is, someone who's authentic and comfortable, you know, and he agreed. And just for the record, I always prefer to work with and through a director. But when... I can tell a director does not have a rapport or they're giving them bad direction or putting my artist in an unflattering or uncompromising position. I'll step in. But again, that's usually between me and the director. In this situation, the director tried to take me out of the equation completely. But the artist in this case, the game and 50 Cent pushed back. And that's because I always had been honest and consistent and upfront on set. And I was always there for every single scene. Um, I guess that's why they call me the commissioner. Hashtag humble brag. Anyways, after I finished going over the performance of the game, I guess word got back to hype. And Chris Lighty came up to me and told me that he wanted to come to me to come to 50's trailer. So I walked over to it with him and we walked in and there was 50 and G unit on one side. And hype and his assistant were standing across the trailer on the other side. And I was appropriately right in the middle. Um, Chris said that he called this meeting to bury the hatchet. And he proceeded to diplomatically discuss me with hype and discuss hype with me and how he had nothing but respect for both of us and wanted us to work together. And then 50 jumped into the conversation and told hype that I was actually a great commissioner and that he loved working with me and that I had a great passion for filmmaking and that I was not the typical record company person, which, I, you know, sounds good, but you know not no disparaging against record company people. But for artists, it can be a little bit, artists tend to become more like a product than a person. So, and I never look at it like that, but I do have respect for the brand of the artist. Anyways, this seemed to resonate with Hype and he agreed to let me go on the trailer for 50s performance, which was the next scene up. We we shook hands. I remember we shook hands and I told Hype that I really appreciated and respected him and that would not cause any problems. And if I had any questions or issues about something, I would talk to him and we could discuss it. And if he agreed, we would talk to the artist. He seemed skeptical um, and said something. I don't remember exactly what he said, but he's like, there's no issues on my set, you know. Um, but it was along something along those. I don't remember exactly what he said, but something kind of dismissive, which I get. I get who like who, who the fuck am I? Either way, I was back on the trailer, and the night continued. Everything went smoothly, and we finished out day one without any further incidents. Um, by the way, I never want any shoot to be about me. This is an artist's time to shine, and I only and always want them to be the focus of the shoot. So this was uncommon and for me unnecessary. But I needed to make sure that I could do my job to the best of my ability. Anyways, on to Day 2. Day 2 was all shot at the Mayan Theater in downtown Los Angeles. It is a beautiful and unique place with all sorts of Mayan imagery built into the structure. Um, The walls and the pillars are all ornate with Mayan patterns, figures, and sculptures. Um, It's still in use today and a popular venue in L.A. Um, As I stated before, I didn't have a treatment, so I didn't really know what hype was planning on shooting. The setup looked cool, and I went along with the flow of the shoot. Um, We spent a lot of time setting up a rig that would film the dice that you see in the beginning of the video falling towards the camera. It took at least two hours to set up, light, and film just that. And I was a little concerned, but there's not a lot I could do or say to make you know and make it go away. Like, this is what we were doing. Um, we filmed a bunch of party footage and slow-mo shots of beautiful women lounging around after that. Um, and then we got into filming the close-ups of all the performers, which were Dr. Dre, The Game, and Fifty individually um, in that portrait setup that you see. Um, it looked amazing. And I, I, at that point, I felt good about the shoot as we had now filmed all the people who were on the track, in the music video. Um, and the final setup was the one where you see the game and 50 on the balcony and wrapping together. Um, it's the only time actually that they're in the, set, the same setup in the whole video. And I was happy that we were finally going to get them in the same shot. And I told like that, I was like, this is great. This is what we need. He agreed and we started to film the scene. But as the two rappers were performing, Hype kept directing them to start rapping to each other and into each other's ear Um, as if they were impacting or imparting some kind of secret or vital information that only they could hear. Um, I understood the concept of what he was trying to accomplish, but it looked like they were about to kiss. And I told Hype that. He definitely didn't want to hear it. He kept filming the scene and giving them direction to get closer and even film them wrapping their lines and with like an extreme close up on just their lips and their mouths right by the other one's ear. I knew that it wasn't going to work, but I decided it was best to just let things go as I could tell I was creating an issue. Um, I let Hype film the scene as he wanted to do it. And we wrapped on time. Like most people, I have good traits and I have bad traits. I won't go into all of them, but one of my good traits is my instinct. It has served me well for all of my professional life, and especially as a commissioner. It was particularly helpful here as we get into the edit phase of the video. rough cut protocol would be a director or their production company will send the rough cut of the music video to the label. um, First, as the label is the client, even though the artist is the star, Um, a label commissioner will do 30 to 50 or maybe more videos a year. But an artist, even the biggest ones, will do two or three, outside think four in a year. So as a director in a production company, you don't want to alienate the label by sending the rough cut to the artist first, because that puts you in a bad position if there's an issue with the edit, and then a label will not want to work with that director or production company going forward. Is real music dying? What even is real music, and who are we to judge that? Well, my father is a lifelong musician, and together we've been making music for over a decade. Obviously, that's not how hype works. I got a call from Chris Lady, and he told me that 50 was upset about the edit of the video. I told him I hadn't seen the video, and he said he'd call me back. He called me back and told me that hype had sent the video to everyone but me. Um, I was pissed but realized there was nothing I could do about it and asked if Chris would send me a copy of the video. Um, He told me he'd have hype send one over as soon as possible. So I got the video, and I immediately knew what the issue was. In the scene where the game and 50 are rapping together – it looked like they were about to make out the scene was beautifully filmed and really, really well edited, but the cuts of 50 wrapping to the game and the game wrapping to 50 were intercut with the close-ups of the rapper's lips. So it looked like they were whispering into each other's ear and the pace of the shots were powerful, but it felt like the two were actually about to kiss at any moment. Now I'm not opposed to anyone's sexuality or judgmental about it either. I just know, as commissioner of music videos, that in the hip-hop realm in 2005, a rapper could not be perceived as gay. Um, In today's world, there's a more open understanding of sexuality, and this may or may not be an issue. Again, I don't think a a person's personal life should matter. But in the world of hip-hop in 2005, 50 Cent and the game could not be perceived that way or that would damage their image. Um, You can get mad and upset and even disagree, but I'm just being honest. That was the world we lived in 15 years ago. So I remember I showed the video to the product manager, who was Chris Clancy. Um, he now manages Tyler, the creator, as well as others. And so he manages a rapper who is gay in today's world. And it's not the same issue. But at the time, I remember Chris looked at me after watching the video and said something like, this video is creating a new genre in hip hop. And, and he's like, gangsta gay. And I, we all laughed. And like I told him, I had the same reaction, explained to him how we got here. He told me he didn't envy me and wondered how I was going to handle it because there's no way that video would be approved as is. And I told him that I would make sure that everyone knew what our thoughts were and that I would have them come from the artist as well as Hype was so Hype was taking in from everybody. So I proceeded to call both managers, Chris and Jimmy, and explain my concerns. They agreed, but said Hype really liked the video and would make only a few changes. Um, this didn't go over well with me, so I decided to put my concerns in writing. Um, and I sent Becky back in the day, by the way, you could still send emails that everyone got and they were even more kind of substantial because that's kind of how people communicated as well as two ways. So I sent an email to all the parties involved. Um, it didn't solve the problem immediately, but it raised enough awareness internally and with everyone involved that I was able to make sure that the video didn't get released until everyone approved it, which was a good thing, but not in the way you think. This issue went on for a few days, and I was trying my best to make changes that I felt were necessary to make the video airable. Um, Hype made a few changes, but overall kept the edit as he originally had it. Um, The song was starting to get played on radio and was becoming a hit, so that meant that BET and MTV were hearing about it and wanted to see the video. The promotion department at the label set a premiere date, and the clock was ticking now. I was still complaining about the edit. And told everyone that this would be an issue if we played the video as is. Um, I remember I was at home when I received a call from Chris Lighty, and he had 50 on the phone with him. And at the time, 50 was touring in Africa, so he was on a satellite phone on location in Nigeria. And 50 proceeded to lay into me in a way that he had never before or never would again. He told me that if the video premiered in its current state, he would hold me personally responsible and in part, unspeakable harm to me. Um, I tried to calm him down, but he was really upset. And I told him I would take full responsibility, but that I had been trying to get Hype to make these changes for a week. Fifth, and then there was silence. And 50 asked Chris, his manager, if this is true. And Chris immediately said, yeah. And Hype was ignoring any input other than from the artist. So 50 calmed down a little bit and told me to make sure the video did not air it until he approved it. And even though I had no control over that, as it was a separate department that handled the networks, I assured him that I would make sure that the video did not air until he approved it. I wasn't sure how I was going to do that, but I wanted to make sure that 50 knew that I was going to go and take every measure to get him what he wanted. Um, I remember him telling, you know, Chris to get hype on the phone and Chris told me he called me back and they hung up. And I hated throwing hype under the bus. I did. But I was being honest and had tried numerous times to get him to change the video including on set when I told him what it looked like. So the final performance with the two artists looked on brand and not as, as as sexual as he had it in the cut. And I don't even know that he wanted it to be sexual. I think he was just trying to impart the urgency of the two of them together, but it just came across as very, very sexual. Um, I want to be clear, I'm not trying to portray any of this that promotes homophobic or misogynistic or intolerant behavior. I'm opposed to all those things, and I've made videos that feature far worse content and imaging than this one. It was just the intimate nature of the scene and the way it was filmed that raised concern for me, and obviously it was an issue for 50. In the end, the right video aired, but 50 was never really happy with the video And it's my belief that it was the beginning of the end of the relationship between 50 Cent and the game. I'm not saying that it was, but the relationship soon deteriorated. The game and 50 would have a very public beef, and the game would leave G-Unit within the year, but that had nothing to do with me or my ability to make videos with them. I was able to maintain my integrity with my artists and made a number of videos going forward with 50 Cent and the game, both together and separately. As far as hype is concerned, we worked together again one more time and the results were even worse, but that's a story for a different episode. I actually respect, appreciate, and really admire his work. He's a true artist and his vision is incredible. I would love to sit down and interview him on a future episode of The Commissioner. I just thought this was an interesting and honest depiction of what it was like to make this video and how we all handled ourselves in a challenging, creative environment. So that's it for episode nine of The Commissioner, The Game, How We Do. I hope you enjoyed it. I know I certainly did. Um, Please share this podcast with your friends and colleagues. And make sure to let us know what you think. Also, the link to the video and the Mogul podcast and the other videos I uh, talked about are in the description of this episode. So you can watch and listen to them if you want. Um, As always, I'll leave you with this final thought. Cheese is a loaf of milk.